What's up, WizKids, and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench, the playoffs. We're in the second round. Jamoke Davis here with Zach Rosen and Chris Gehring. Jeremy Hyman and Jacob Rame are on the road. So it's just the three of us talking Wizards basketball as they are getting ready, actually, for Game 2 against the Boston Celtics because they lost yesterday in Game 1 in Boston, 123-111. to Guys, I was really excited. We will get to uh, the Game 6 victory. I have some thoughts on that. Um, don't want to dismiss talking about what they did against Atlanta, but we're already one game into the series. Uh, let's just get right into it and start with your first initial observation. Start with you, Zach, on the game yesterday and what the Wizards uh, did right. Let's start with what they did right before we talk sure, about yeah. the result, huh? I mean, they came out hot and they... They came back multiple times, I thought, after, I mean, despite giving up that early lead, which, yeah, of course, the earlier you have a big lead, the harder it is to keep up because you give the other team more time, just some simple uh, math there with, with time. But uh, I think the way they fought back in the fourth quarter with the bench especially showed some fight and that they, you know, even though they gave up this huge lead and then they were down 15, to, to come back with that run to start the fourth <clears throat> was really important, I think, for the rest of the series. And, I mean, we'll talk about game six against the Hawks, but it was kind of similar when they gave up their, they gave up a lead, but they, they held on by, what, three points and then yeah. finished the game. Yeah. So it, it yeah. kind of reminded me there are little parallels within that. Uh, I kind of wish they happened the other way around, <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. I, but besides that, I mean, they, they exploited the Celtics with, Gortat and Morris when they were both on the floor in the first half. Um, I think Brad Stevens just showed why he's a great coach when he made the, that adjustment right away with yeah. taking out Gerald Green. He's mm-hmm. probably going to start Marcus Smart the rest of the series. So, yeah, I think kind of what Zach was saying when you look at the when you look at the run that that Bogey made in that fourth quarter, kind of by himself. I mean, he hit what three shots in a row, one of which was a four point play. He accounted for. I think it was 10, all 10. 10 yeah, yeah, 10 mm-hmm. points, basically like a 10-0 run for the Wizards. Well, not a 10-0 run, but a 10-point run for the Wizards. We talked about in the last series how it's so important with, with the way that our bench is, is hurting right now with Mahimi and, and really had struggled to find production all season, how important it is that he gets comfortable in these playoffs. He certainly looked that way yesterday, and it helped us kind of re- re-energize and kind of find one last um, push, which was which was good. Um, but yeah, you know, Coach Brooks said after the game that you know the one consistency that he's not happy with is how you know we've seemed to give up a lead or yeah. you know allow that big run, um, especially on the road in these playoffs. And in a place like Boston, it's it's very difficult to you know overcome that. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I take mm-hmm. nothing away from Atlanta; their crowd was incredible for Game Six. We can yeah. get to that, um, but. You know, Boston's a very tough place to play. The Celtics are a very deep team. I think beyond Isaiah Thomas, we learned that the the general talent level, like one through probably what twelve, mm-hmm. is, is 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 fairly consistent, and uh, that's that's tough to deal with. And so the Celtics can throw a lot at you. Brad Stevens is great at adjustments, um, but you know, I I love what we saw from Gortat early. I think that we know that that as this series wears on that john will have success yeah um although you know th- their their ability to bring smart and bradley 
is um, is something that the Hawks just couldn't just couldn't throw mm-hmm. at us, and so that'll that'll take some adjustments. That'll take some extra action to maybe get those guys um, to get John and Brad some more freedom. Um, and so those are kind of things that we'll I guess we'll talk about and we'll look forward to. But March some some notes. It was amazing that like in the first six minutes of the game he had like nine points to offensive rebound. He took a charge. He had a couple of those tip outs on those rebounds that the crowd was booing because they're like, how can you just let this guy continue to just get to the ball? I mean, yep. you know he. He was just playing so well, and and as you you both pointed out, Brad Stevens immediately knew, hey, he's been the key. We need mm-hmm. to neutralize him, and made that adjustment in the game. And that's the exact kind of effort that I felt like we got a little bit frustrated with watching the Hawks get rebounds against us. Mm-hmm. Watching that, watching what we did early in the game uh, last yesterday afternoon. Um. It's kind of the exact frustration that we had in the previous series, and I was like, "Wow, this is great. This is an this is a advantage that, you know, hopefully we'll have." Obviously, they they found a way to work around it, and and certainly then the next move is, you know, what Coach Brooks and his staff can can come up with to to counter that. But um, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Obviously, yeah. only one game in, but and 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 also, uh, let's just we we immediately everyone knows that Morris is probably going to be. The number one question at practice today, he only had five points, only played 11 minutes, uh, twisted that ankle, which which I, I hate how – I thought we were supposed to be working on the rule that did not allow players to step under you on a jump shot because realistically – I mean, he basically – Horford was like underneath him, and all of a sudden, you know, he twists his ankle, and that changed the entire game around, Zach. Yeah, I mean, we all, we all have played basketball, and we know – to an extent that when someone goes up for a shot, you don't go under them. Mm-hmm. You, if anything, the only thing in within their body distance is like your hands trying to block the shot yeah, yeah. or to contest it. But you know, Al Horford, he has a good reputation. I really, really don't think he was trying to hurt him as badly as he did. He was right. probably just trying to send a message, maybe. Yeah, because they showed him high five after yeah, he was like, "My bad, I didn't mean to do that." Yeah, he. He apologized, um, but yeah, Keith's injury is major. It's it's not only that he's an important piece in himself because you know he gives you fourteen and seven. He helps rebound, and you know, well, I think one of the reasons Gortat wasn't as productive in the second half is because he didn't have Morris there to help box out. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue defensively. Without Morris in there, you have to throw in. Uh, someone smaller to guard a four if, yeah. because Jason Smith and Gortat aren't going to play at the same time in this series. That's just too much size. Not They're not quick enough. Mm-hmm. And then offensively without Morris, they can hide Isaiah Thomas on Kelly Oubre when he's in the game because yeah. you know he's still developing offensively. So yeah. it just creates all these issues without him. And, and who knows? I mean, he said he's going to play. Is he really going to play in game two? I have my doubts. I think he'll be back in the series, but he's going to be playing with a hurt ankle the rest of the, the series, no matter what. Yeah. You, you don't just get over that in two weeks. Yeah. It's it's going to bother him. Yeah, it's certainly concerning. I mean, you know, no matter how heroic you are, you know, ankles are tough and they linger. They notoriously linger. And so we'll see, you know, we'll see what they're able to do and, and the severity of it, you know, I guess once – you know, as the practice goes today and, you know, they warm up tomorrow, see, you know, see what kind of progress he makes. But, 
you know, the domino effect is, is certainly concerning. I think we saw some of it mm-hmm. yesterday. Granted, like we like we said, though, it is only game one, and certainly there are other ways to maybe work around that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think regardless what that's going to mean is it's going to put, if, if Keefe is out for an extended period of time, it's going to put more onus on, on Kelly Oubre um, to, to come off the bench and, and maybe, you know, bang down low with some with some guys that are probably going to be a little bit bigger than him, but um, we'll see. And and so that's interesting. You bring up Kelly Oubre. They talked, you know, reading a couple of the articles and listening to even the radio party. Shout out to Jay Johnson and Glenn Consor. Yes, we'll have Glenn Consor at some point on off the bench. He <laughs> seems to have his feelings hurt because we have not had him on. Sadly. We love you, Glenn. Let's take let's pivot for a minute. What happened? How did that conversation oh, get started? Where Glenn was like, well, you upset know, he started he the... started ripping on Chris Miller. He said, "So you're going to have a sideline reporter Ooh. on." And not a professional <laughs> analyst. And I said, well, there are a well, lot of other people involved in this production, Glenn, and we're saving you for the second round. Oh, so. that's, right. that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, we'll get him okay. on here for sure. Um, so back to Kelly. They're talking about the bench production, which actually the bench production for both teams, 27 points even. But now, Chris, now you almost have to play into the Celtics' hand because if you have to put Kelly in the starting lineup, then they can go back to Gerald Green. And they swept the Bulls when they went with the smaller lineup. So now you've got to play into the Celtics' hand somewhat. A little bit, yeah. And so, you know, what that's going to take is obviously, you know, some teams that, that, that find themselves disadvantaged defensively at times, you know, height-wise and basically like, like numbers-wise, um, you know, it's going to take team defense. It's going to take smart defensive play. And I think that the Wizards are certainly, you know, they're capable of that. And I think in the playoffs, if, if, if ever – Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that focus will be there and that tenacity will be there. And I think we see that a little bit from the Celtics as well. If you look at the way that they defended at times, the Celtics la- um, yesterday afternoon, they play with a lot of tenacity on defense. Yeah. They interrupted us. And, um, you know, that can certainly compensate for what at times could be a mismatch. You know, if we're, if we're forced to be small, mm-hmm. um, that can compensate. And, you know, so we'll just have to see how that goes. We'll have to see how Markeith, uh comes along, see how much they can get out of Gortat. Gortat played almost 40 minutes um, yesterday. and I don't 16 points, 4 assists, 13 rebounds, so, and a block, and yeah. a steal. I mean, he played, he, he, <laughs> he played well. He showed, what, he showed where he's valuable in this series. Yeah. We're just going to have to see, um, you know, where the Celtics kind of allow us to have him be valuable because quite honestly, if we're shorthanded, um, you know, that, that does put Brad Stevens a little bit in the driver's seat as far as personnel. Yeah. That's the problem. Is it without Keith, then the wizards have to play to the Celtics way of playing basketball. And that's, it's not that the wizards can't, they just haven't played that way all season mm-hmm. outside of a few minutes during games, especially when Mahini's been out. Uh, but that's another thing I'm interested to see when he'll come back. I think he'll be back in this series. I don't know when, uh, but that's what it sounds like from what Coach Brooks has had to say. And then uh, I was, you know, if he comes back, I really wonder if if Coach Brooks would think about playing Gortat and Mahimi together, just wow. to throw a ton of size at the yeah. Celtics and just yeah. crash the boards. The only issue then is I think the Stevens just says, okay, well, I'm going to throw four guards out here and mm-hmm. Jay Crowder and just run you down the floor. Yeah. Right. So I think 
but what that made me think of as well is that the Celtics just destroyed the Wizards on the fast break, which is, I mean, how many games have the Wizards won this year when they don't win the fast break? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The stats aren't are pretty up against that. Yep. But the bottom line is just the defense wasn't there on the three-pointers. They didn't contest enough threes, and that'll change in game two. And the Celtics aren't going to make that many threes again because, no. first of all, Jay Crowder's not going to make six of eight again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, second of all, they're going to be contested because the Wizards are going to understand more of their scheme. But, yeah, you, you have to give them credit for what – and not take anything away from the Wizards, but on this short notice – uh, it really showed Brad Stevens' genius, and I thought again the Wizards gave great effort. Regardless, it was—I mean, it's ridiculous how quick the turnaround was, and yep. the Cavs yeah. and Raptors played tonight. I mean, yeah. we don't need to get into the politics of it, but some some stats: uh, Boston had the advantage, thirteen to nine for fast break points. Wizards had the advantage, fifty-four to thirty-eight points in the paint. Steals and blocks even. Assists. The Celtics had five more than the Wizards. The funny stat where you're talking about the three-pointers that I found funny is that the Celtics took five more three-pointers than the Wizards even took regular jump shots. Like, they were just jacking it up and jacking it up. And obviously, that was a storyline, making 19 threes in the game. They've got to find a way to do that. And I add to that, when I go back to how the Wizards swept Toronto, all of a sudden they went small. It caught everybody off guard when they went with two big men because they were starting the Ney and Gortat together. And then they said all of a sudden the playoffs, bam, we're going small. And I think it caught Toronto off guard. They got swept. Atlanta, I think we probably could have beaten Atlanta and maybe gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals if John Wall didn't get hurt in that game two. Bradley Beal, I think I heard. I think it was game two or may have been game one. But just the adjustments that both teams have to make is going to be interesting uh, as we look forward to game two. Um, any, any other insights that you guys want to talk about for game two? Obviously, the Wizards practice today. We'll, we'll get an update. Check on WashingtonWizards.com on social media as well to find out from Jeremy and Jacob their report. And our videos, of course, at, that we put up where you can hear the players talk about what happened in game uh, uh, one versus what will happen in two. I thought we see more out of Brandon Jennings. 12 minutes, no points, yeah. one assist, one yeah, rebound. He wasn't very effective in his first stint in the first half, and I think that kind of lingered. Yep. And then they were playing catch-up, and I don't I don't know. I, I'd really, I know a lot of people talk about how him and Wall play together at the same time. Yeah. I would like to see Jennings play more with Beal. And, I mean, what was... Any chances in his head? Because the last no. Celt game at the Celtics, he had little dust up no. the whole court. Was... That stuff doesn't bother Brandon. I think it was just the flow of the game and what happened. Yeah. And he ended up giving some quality minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, the one person I wanted to talk about from game mm-hmm. one moving to game two is Otto. I think he had a really, really solid game. 40 Six... played 40 minutes. Yeah. 16 points, uh, 7 of 10 from the field, 11 rebounds. I think it was his second career double-double in the playoffs. A mm-hmm. um, couple steals. A couple mm-hmm. steals. Mm-hmm. He was plus 3 in a what ended up being a 12-point loss. So, he and Morris were the only two in, yeah. in the plus well, side. Yeah. And Morris only Morris played 11. Yeah. But it, it shows you a little bit about Otto's game is that he's just so consistent. And if Keith can go the rest of the series, great. Automatic. That means Isaiah is probably going to guard Otto down the stretch a little more, especially if Smart's going to start. Yeah. Because you saw John just kind of pick Isaiah apart in the first half, mm-hmm. especially with his passing. I mean, he ended mm-hmm. up with 16 assists, which tells mm-hmm. you something. Um, but Otto, 
and all the national writers are writing this, and they're pretty pretty right about this, that Otto is going to be probably the most important player for the Wizards to get going. I mean, I wrote about him as my X Factor in one of our series previews. But how do they get him going? Mm-hmm. He hasn't been the focal point of the offense all season, but I can see the Wizards, especially if Isaiah's guarding him, run these same back screens that they run for Beal yeah. as well as just posting him up against Isaiah. <laughs> Why not? Clear <laughs> Why not? it out. He's right. shown <laughs> that he's really good at scoring at the rim yeah. like, this yeah. year. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean his his size advantage is huge if we can if if the Wizards can get mismatches and obviously, you know, when guys like Smart and, and Bradley are on the floor when Otto and or sorry, when John and Brad are out there as well, you know, they they're they have to draw attention. Mm-hmm. And so the, there has to be some room for Otto to to not necessarily fly under the radar. Everybody knows how the leap that he's made this year. But if they can get mismatches for Otto, he is another one, you know, we talked about Bogdanovich. He's another one that looks more comfortable now. Yeah. Um he played well yesterday. And and he looks like he's comfortable in these in these playoffs now. Bob, ten points, three um, five from the field. Yeah, and so you know we'll you know we'll see what they can what they can conjure up. I think moving forward, the I guess the final couple notes are, you know, Brooks talked about it, but obviously chasing them off the three point line a little bit more. I think they were a little upset with with how open some of those looks were mm-hmm. um, for the Celtics, and you know those are those are things that are that are fairly correctable, and yeah. so. Um, it's early, and I, I I wouldn't say that it's any time to uh, be too concerned about. They how scored that, the how most points about. of the playoffs in one in their first quarter, thirty eight, and just thirty one in the fourth quarter. So you know, on a good note, they did make it close. But mm-hmm. now we can shift to Atlanta because that was the amazing thing about the Atlanta game. They jumped out to a lead. Atlanta came back, and then they kept it. They kept it and, going to win John the game. John Wall happened. John yeah. Wall happened. And the thing for me that I tweeted out after that uh, big game at Atlanta, they won 115-99, to 99, is that this was the game that John and Brad grew up. Before they had Paul Pierce that you could kind of say was your, your super vet, you pass the ball to if you need a big bucket, or he could just kind of get the team um, – headed in the right direction and John and Brad did that for the Wizards in game six and for them to close out in the row walking around the office before the game just kind of talking about the game and yet they pulled it out yeah I mean talking you know we were talking at dinner when we got to Atlanta I was in Atlanta for this trip and you know we were talking at dinner about how you know it's 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 just in general it is hard to win playoff games on the road yeah um and certainly play and obviously closeout games are inherently hard as well because you know the other team obviously knows that um you know they're a game away from going home and so you know we hadn't played particularly well in atlanta in the first two games and so certainly there was I, I, you know there was a little bit of doubt yeah but on the other hand we knew that if you get a performance like this from wall and beal where they combined for 73 points brad was a plus 32 on the night um you're gonna win that game um, John and Brad are two, obviously, as we know, extremely special talents, and they—I sh- mean, they—they they showed up in the biggest moment with the crowd on fire in Atlanta, um, and they relished in it. You know, they relished in, in mm-hmm. quieting that crowd and going home with a series win. And I think you—I think it's fair to call it a growing up moment, but I also think that you know this is more of a—it's like an initial 
like like warning shot from these two mm-hmm. that these this is what they're capable of brad's what 23 years old yeah um you know there's a lot more where this came from and i and i realized that for john to play this way in a closeout game is, is certainly welcome for wizards yeah. fans and it's it's a kind of a landmark moment um but i think that these guys have been capable of this for for a while and and they showed it now and um it was really really awesome to watch and hearing John after the game, you know, mm-hmm. the confidence that these two have in each other and in their own games in these situations, um, it's pretty impressive. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we'll get to see that kind of that kind of intensity and that kind of – I mean, they, they both played like, st- like, like superstars in that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see more of that in this Boston series. What was it like uh, for your first playoff road trip, Chris, and, and just – the excitement from the team yeah. on the bus on the plane no it was it was awesome i mean i know you know at shoot around you know they were loose at shoot around um you know they looked you know they just they looked comfortable and i think you know coming off of a good win at home knowing that they'd struggled a little bit in atlanta i think they just came in a little looser um a little more in the groove in these playoffs and you know, they just played with confidence. They they withstood a couple of Hawks runs. They quieted the crowd. You know, John was his usual. You know, John had his usual swagger. Yeah. And you could tell that. You know, that's just that's kind of like a beginning for him. And then obviously the you know the bus home and the plane was you know the the energy was was just awesome. <laughs> it was really really cool. Zach, I was I was at home. I was like, man, I would have traded going to game three or four. We could have gone for game six. Just wasn't meant to be, I guess. It yeah. Wasn't. Lots of high fives on the plane. It was really really cool. And um, you know, um, you know the guys taking pictures with Phil Chenier and like yeah, all that's that what stuff. I was going to get to next. Was what was that like with because this. For for those of you who if, if you if you listen to our podcast, then you gotta know what's going on with Phil Chenier. Game six was his last game yeah. calling a game at least full time. Who knows mm-hmm. if maybe sure, they'll yeah. have yeah, him yeah. come back one or two games, but that was it for him. So to see all of the pictures on the plane, you know, I saw it like uh, Yannick also was posting a picture with him oh, and yeah. Phil Chenier. It's like Chenier was a legend again back on the plane, which we yep. call him legend anyway for those of us that travel on the road. But but that literally to just see all of the pictures was pretty neat. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the guys all have tremendous respect for him and. Um, certainly in the back of the plane, you know, where the rest of us sit, um, there's a tremendous respect for him. And, um, it was just, it was just really cool. You know, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, the, the mood was awesome. The energy was awesome. Um, there was some, there was, I mean, there were some comments too about how, you know, getting on that plane game one was in like 30 hours, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, so there was certainly a switch of focus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but plenty of time for a little bit of celebration too, and that was fun to watch. It was cool to see this group. You know, there's no question that this this group as a whole, um, you know, coaches, players, um, they're very together, and they're and they're a really good team. Yeah. And um, seeing that you know seeing that play out and bear out is is really pretty awesome. Coming from you know a whole new group in training camp, and you know a lot to learn about each other and about the coaching staff to where they are now. Um, I think it speaks a lot to John and Brad and mm-hmm. Coach Brooks pointed to that after game six. Um, but it also speaks a lot to Coach Brooks and his and his staff as well. Um, so 
kudos to both of those Man, both of those groups. Game two cool. tomorrow night, eight o'clock. I am glued to the playoffs. If we can expand, let's you know talk yeah. about the other games. We got game one tonight, uh, Raptors at Cavs, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and then uh, Rockets at Spurs. I'd love to see the Rockets give the Spurs a run. I just I don't it, know if they I can think, do it. I think they will. Uh, really? Yeah, they actually match up pretty well with them. The only worry, I think, if you're a Rockets fan, is just that the Spurs are going to spur, and they're yeah. going to figure out a way <laughs> to beat you. But yeah, the Spurs just play together as a team like they have in years past, but they only have one superstar right now. Mm-hmm. And what I would be worried about as a Spurs fan is that the Spurs don't really have a rim protector. And the Rockets, although they're this crazy good three-point shooting team, they also get to the rim at a really high rate, and people don't always remember that. Mm-hmm. And they finish around the rim. Like, all their points are around the rim or behind the three-point line. I mean, there was that one game with, like, the Mori ball. Uh, it was, like, four <laughs> mid-range shots, and then it was everything around the three-point line and the rim. And it was just unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, I... I don't think the Rockets will win the series, but they're going to give them a fight. I mean, I really liked the Rockets. Me in too. The I Thunder love in the Thunder play. series. I was like, oh, they'll win in five, maybe sweep them. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I really like that team. I don't know if they. They're and the sad thing is the the point that you made that is really sad and true is you said they have one superstar. Aldridge has disappeared. Yeah. He went from being amazing to Portland to doing he's okay in San Antonio, but he just doesn't seem to be that same player anymore. It's it's difficult to kind of figure out what's happened because, I mean, we don't get to watch the West as much and we don't get to watch the Spurs besides our two games, like, in our work time, I would say. Uh, but it's just his game is kind of different than what's – like, if he could start making threes, and I don't know his numbers by any, by any angle at all, but it's just his defense isn't what – someone like Anthony Davis does mm-hmm. like they kind of play similarly but Anthony Davis is this freak on defense yeah and he can just yam on you and I don't I don't know like again I haven't been paying attention as much to LaMarcus Aldridge <laughs> but you're right we don't hear his name but it's also because Kawhi is just taking over that team mm-hmm. yeah and he's really almost taking over the NBA on both ends he's ridiculous yeah I think I you know I think that it's going to be a very entertaining series. I also, you know, it's hard to bet against uh, a Spurs team that still has plenty of talent, still has a great coach in Greg Popovich. Um, But I really love, I mean, I love to watch James Harden play. And I think that the Rockets, like Zach said, they have a lot of weapons that can make things kind of nervy for the Spurs. And um, so we'll see how it plays out. I think it'll be a long series. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really entertaining to watch as we you know there are less games now with uh the first round over you know hopefully we'll get some chances to watch some of those games and and see but um, and i hope toronto can actually give the Cavs a run but i feel like the way they played against they did get it done have to hats mm -hmm. off to them they got it done in milwaukee Mm. uh sorry zach but none taken (laughs) i just don't know if toronto can can challenge the Cavs. Yeah, if, I think if those things happen to Toronto against the Cavs, the, those games are those games are over. Yeah, you know another um, 4-0 sweep. I I don't know if it'll be a sweep. I certainly think it'll be close though. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, you know the Cavs looked plenty sh- plenty shaky 
you know, themselves yeah, uh, against Indiana. Six points down. Um, but they still won all those games. Yeah. Uh, they didn't trip up, and um, they've been sitting at home for a long time now. And mm-hmm. so we'll see. We'll see what that means in game one. That could mean that, you know, that they come out a little rusty. Um, but they're also going to be very rested. And yeah. That's not necessarily that's not a good formula for the Raptors. The the Raptors added pieces that in you know, throughout the season that were clearly aimed at mm-hmm. playing against the Cavs. Yeah. You know, PJ Tucker comes to mind, Serge, Serge Ibaka, all of those guys, you know, PJ Tucker specifically, clearly targeted at just bugging LeBron James. And, yeah. Um, You're gonna see him start. Yeah, I think. Lance Stevenson. Yeah. <laughs> well exactly. <laughs> Seriously. And well. so and so, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But at the end of the day, you know, P.J. Tucker can be a hard-nosed defender. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, LeBron's still going to win way more of those battles than he's going to lose. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, I think it'll be a fairly short series. The Rocket, the Rockets will be, will be really, really fun to watch, I think. Yeah. James I Harden. think the Raptors have the best chance out of any East team to beat the Cavs. Ooh. But I don't know if they're going to beat them. I just yeah. think they're tough and they – have a lot of skilled guys that yeah. can match up with the with the Cavs. Like Abaka can hang with Kevin Love, yep. DeRozan, and Lowry are going to score a lot because the Cavs just mm-hmm. don't play great defense. Yeah, uh, but then you look vice versa. Like who's going to guard, guard Kyrie effectively? Yeah, I think it's a big Kyrie series. I agree. Um, but the Celtics. I mean, I think the Wizards obviously match up well with the Cavs. Will they get a chance to? We'll see. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I think when I looked at the playoffs, I said, "Wow, I think the Raptors are probably the the most ideal team to to try and take down the Cavs." So yeah, okay, all right. Well, we had a great off the bench. We talked some Wizards and then a little bit of NBA playoffs. I hope you've enjoyed off the bench podcast for Chris Gehring and Zach Rosen. I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now.